Hello, you're listening to The Dollop. This is a bilingual American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend... Uh, Gareth Reynolds. Uh, il connaît ne pas le... <laughs> story. Merde! Yeah. I used to know a little bit. Yep, not I anymore. What happened. Nah. Well, I think what I just saw going into you a second ago might have... <laughs> hey, man. Don't be a cop about this, man. All right. Against the wall. God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. People say this is funny? Not Gary Gara. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Girl. Mm-hmm. August 13th, 1932. Okay. <clears throat> Tony. Oh, this is already. This already did a, a fucking spell uh, correction. Did it change the next word to Danza? I'm just going to pretend like that's what it is, but I think this is. A... Tony Katitsis was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. He had three brothers. friends. Tits to his friends. He had three brothers and a sister. Their father, a Greek immigrant, owned a neighborhood store. Okay. During the summer, all three kids would sell ice cream in the Ben Davis and Garden City areas of the west side of the city. Cute little story. Yep. So far, it's pretty good, right? Adorable. Love it. Relatable. He went to Ben Davis High School, where he was an excellent student. The principal of Ben Davis... Did I turn this on? I thought so. Did you not? I did. Oh, my God. The leg move you just did. It was pretty hot, right? Dude, you just did the can-can. I did a lot of ballet in uh, high school. It shows, my man. I did. I was was a ballet major in uh, college at UC Santa Barbara. Well, I was plies to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. The principal of Ben Davis said all the... Oh, it's Kiritsis. Kiritsis kids were solid and respected. Another teacher said all the kids were hardworking. After graduating, Tony served in the Army for two years. He was a small arms instructor for West Point cadets. That's just when he dealt with, uh, you know, tiny arms. Yeah, short appendages. Like, uh, um, oh man, I can't remember his name. Who? Uh, Gnarls Barkley. Like Gnarls Barkley. Sure. Oh, what? Who? CeeLo? CeeLo. Yeah, exactly. He has little. CeeLo at West Point. He has little tiny. Uh, uh, oh, arms. He is. he's oh, very. Yeah. He's like a little dinosaur, like a triceratops. Well, and I was thinking about this the other day. He like he came under allegations for like rape. Yeah, he did. And then he like went on. Well, he, he got went, fired like, because of that. And he was just like, okay, so hypothetically speaking, someone's sleeping and you do something. Is that crazy? It was like something to that effect, and everyone was like, not only crazy, you need to delete this. It's not like crazy, but it's illegal. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Ronald Beasley of the Marion County Sheriff's Department said Tony was a man who worked hard, but also had a hot temper. Okay. Seriously hot temper. Mm-hmm. It's turning <clears throat> At some point, Tony became the owner of a mobile home park at the age of just 26. Living the dream. Yep. 
One of the tenants. Not a lot of weird problems you got to deal with in that. No, it's a good thing to have if you have a temper. Yeah, for sure. Definitely get a mobile home park. Absolutely, That's manage twenty eight mobile home families. If you go to to uh, anger counseling, you know, if you go to one of those programs, they'll say buy a mobile home park. Get a mobile home park. One of the tenants recalled uh, that Tony would carry a shotgun around the property, and he said Tony had a temper. Which okay, is, uh, so I'm sort of hearing tempers coming back again. Great combo, so we're also. Sort of hearing that, and then we're also new information. There's a shotgun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he posted five mile per hour signs on the streets around the mobile home park, and using the shotgun would stop people who were breaking the speed limit. Interesting. So okay. So that's how you. That's how he would enforce the speed limit laws. Sure. Sure. Which was, I don't know, if, have you ever driven five miles an hour? It's really hard to do. It's hard to do it so slow. It's hard to do. Yeah. Cars go. Uh, cars are against it. Yeah. It's it's basically stopped. It's basically stopped. You have to slow down doing nothing. <clears throat> uh, Tony also would only allow one distributor to sell heating oil at the mobile home park and only one furnace repairman into the mobile home park. After a while, other repairmen and oilmen would not even go to the park when a tenant called. When Tony was around 34, a police sergeant, uh, police sergeant Love, who had been a high school friend of Tony's, said that Tony shot at his brother twice after they argued about money. He was just selling ice cream a minute ago. Yeah. Well, it started out great. It's like when you watch Intervention and they show the baby pics. Oh, that's exactly what we just did. Exactly what we just did. Uh, no one was injured in the shooting. Uh, Sergeant Love arrested Tony Tony for it and charges. Sorry, do you know how many times Sergeant Love showed up to a place and people were like, we didn't order a stripper. He's like, no, God No, I'm, that's my fucking name. You're under arrest. Uh, oh, am I? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. I'll be on the bed. All right. Arrest all right. me, officer. Okay. <laughs> this isn't very sexy. My arms hurt. Okay, I'm just going to put this shotgun in my mouth. Uh. Uh, Right, so the charges were eventually dropped for that shooting. Okay. Right. When Tony was 41, Deputy Sheriff William Newman found Tony had cornered two men from the Citizen Gas and Coke Utility. Tony was armed with an axe. He was upset that they had come onto his property. But they were probably going there to fix something. The two men were installing a gas line that ran under his trailer. Yeah. Again. So he. <laughs> no files were charged. Why are uh, charges not being filed? His anger was said to be, quote, fearsome, quick, and heedless of consequences. Jesus. It's a bad description. It's right? Terrible. I mean, you're just basically being like, ah, oh, he's a future murderer. <laughs> For sure. Another police report said that Tony had chased his sister with an axe. And again, he was arrested. But even with all these situations of weapons that led to arrest, Tony was never convicted of a crime. So at this point, he feels like invincibility. Well, I mean, how would you feel after all that? Like it's time to use my axe. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, But others said he was a saint. Tony, a lifetime bachelor, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Because he was running hot, you know what I mean? Too hot for the ladies. Well, and also, I mean, once you've got an empire like that, you don't want to split it. That's what I'm talking about. You know? Uh, uh, Tony's living in an apartment complex And 67 year old Gladys Ellis Who lived across the hall Said he was great Okay. Quote 
He's the nicest person that anyone could ever hope to meet. One winter, during a very cold weather, Tony offered many times to do Mrs. Ellis's shopping for her. One policeman, who was a friend of Tony's, said, quote, He's friendly and outgoing. Okay. Another cop who knew him said, He has a wild temper. Okay. So... One could say uh, Tony runs a little hot and cold. Yeah. Yeah. Hot and cold Tony. But in situations like that, when you hear enough crazy shit about someone, you're like, oh, I just don't know him well enough. Hey, what do you want? You want a hot Tony? You want a hot Tony? You want a cold Tony? You want a hot and cold Tony? I'll take a hot Tony. I'm a hot and cold Tony. We got hot and cold special today. Hot and cold. Tony's around hot and cold. Hot uh, Tony? Cold Tony? I just said a hot Tony. All right. Who's the man with the axe? One hot Tony. The, who's the axe man? That's cold Tony. Okay. But what's hot Tony? Oh, he's also got the axe. Okay, I don't want a Tony. Unless it's for a musical. That's what it is. Well. (laughs) Tony fell on hard times in the 70s. He had not worked for a while. He was now just living off his rental properties. Okay. So that's good. But that sounds okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, a lot of people do that. In the winter of 1977, Tony owned 17 acres on the northwest corner of Lynnhurst Drive and Rockville Road, which had greatly increased in value over the years. And Tony now wanted to turn it into a strip mall. Oh, God. I mean, why not? Yeah, this is when strip malls weren't as horrible as they are now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But he was also very behind on his payments to the bank for the property. Okay. He was trying to negotiate a big sale to developers, hoping that they would solve the issue. He'd Uh be able to pay off the bank, right? But he thought the mortgage company was steering buyers away from his property by saying Tony would be a risky investment. Tony thought the mortgage company wanted to foreclose to get their hands on the now valuable property. Uh, And when Tony gets hot, things get axy. He owed $130,000 on the mortgage, and the mortgage company, Meridian Mortgage, had given him many breaks. So he's been behind. They've been letting payments. They've been giving him breaks, like, month after month, being Uh like, all right, you get us next month. But early in 1977, the company dropped the hammer and decided to foreclose. Oh, boy. On the morning of February 8th, 1977, Tony made an appointment to discuss his mortgage at Meridian. I love... I'm, I, and I don't want to be too presumptuous, but I'm uh, assuming he's going to be pretty pissed. I love the um, idea of making an appointment to go in and rage. <laughs> All right. Wednesday, 1030. I can't then. I could do one. Can you guys do one? Two o'clock. I could do that. I look forward to it. Wednesday at two. Goodbye. I will fucking see you there. I'm going to be so mad when I get there. Uh, he walked in holding a long flower box and waited. So, not a lot of people buy foreclosure flowers. <laughs> That's true. Well, flower closures. People might bring their mortgage guy flowers. I don't who've think just who've foreclosed just, on uh, them. No, no. I know you foreclosed on me, but I saw these white roses, Larry, and my goodness. Also, what is foreclosure? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that word means. So here, take the flowers. Okay, so uh, Richard Hall, who works there, arrived after a bit, and Tony said, hey, you got a minute? They went into Hall's office. It was just down the hall. Mm -hmm. 
and Tony pulled the sawed-off shotgun out of the box. Then wait, slammed. Wait, wait, wait. These, these were not flowers, <laughs> David. <laughs> I went to the wrong florist, and you're gonna pay. <laughs> and then he slammed Hall against the wall. Skip Hess, a reporter for the Indianapolis News, was talking to Police Chief Gene Gallagher when the chief got a call on the hotline. Okay. okay there's a couple things happening here. There's just a beat reporter sitting around talking to the police chief, which uh-huh. is fucking very uh, uh, Spider-Man. Right. And then the other thing is that uh, they have a hotline. And a Gallagher. Which is very Batman. And they do have a Gallagher, which is... Fruitful. When uh, the police chief came back, he told Skip that uh, he should go downtown. Quote, there's some guy who has a sawed-off shotgun wired to another guy's head, and he says he's coming out. I'll take him off speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> Tony put a wire around Hall's neck, down the barrel of the gun, and around his finger. Wait. So it's around the neck. So a wire runs around his neck, like a like you know, like a noose kind of sure. around the neck, right. and then down the barrel of the gun. Uh-huh. So the gun is pointed right at the back of his head, uh-huh. down the barrel of the gun, and then wraps it around his finger. Uh huh. Which is then around the trigger. Uh huh. But is is Tony in control of that situation, or it's just the dude? Is- Tony's in control of it. But if Tony is shot and he falls. The gun goes off oh, and kills wow. Hall. Holy shit. So he's sniper-proof. Right. Right, okay. And wow. the marathon's running this day. What? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, movies are real life! <laughs> Tony called this a dead man's line. Before Tony went outside, he called the police to inform them what he was up to and about the dead man's line. So he's like... I'm going out. If you shoot me, this guy's going to die. Right. Tony then walked out of Meridian Mortgage with the shotgun pointed at the back of Hall's head. Oh my God. Now, Tony is a burly little man with sideburns. He was wearing a short sleeve shirt, even though it was negative five degrees out. Ooh. Hall was taller, slimmer, with a receding blonde hair. And as they made their way down the street, cops were coming from all directions. With their sirens blaring, they'd stop their cars and jump out and then not really know what to do. Uh, yeah. They're like, yeah, fuck. Uh, fucking what? Sometime you'll stop. Tony let them know about the dead man's line when they came up. Tony and Hall walked down Washington Street. <laughs> Just a, a nice jaunt. So they, what do you do for fun? <laughs> Sorry about all this. Not this. I like miniature golf. All right. Don't complain about this. I'm sorry, okay? Then they turned and walked four blocks along the busiest street in downtown Indianapolis. You're going to love the place we're going. (laughs) They have the best egg rolls. By the way, this is how I get everyone to eat with me. Oh, yeah. I just want to have a meal. Yeah, that's it. I'm paying. Well, look, I know the foreclosure's messed up, but I just really want to take you for dim sum. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I want someone to talk to. Oh, I'm. Oh, hey, I'm sorry I wanted to take you out for a bite, asshole. Wow. Police started running ahead to shoe away pedestrians and tell store owners to lock up their stores. Some cops tried to talk to Tony, but he was pretty focused on the task at hand. 
<laughs> I do love like when like a hostage nego like because it's never like in the movies, so it's like a lot of times a hostage negotiator. It's just like someone on the other end, like no, screw you, and hanging up. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm trying. Hey, Dennis, come on, you got so much, Dennis. You got so much to live for, Dennis. The weird thing is, as I read many different newspapers and stuff, so many, so many cops knew him. Wow, yeah. I think it's a small community. I uh-huh. think it's a, like, you know, it's, Where were they? it's in Indianapolis, like, right. I think West Indianapolis. But I think that, like, you grew up there, some guys became a cop, some guys became a fireman, yeah. but they all just kind of knew each other a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't like a big community. Right. So this So they know, they're, so they know, they're, Tony, what are you doing? Tony, things seem bad. I got a problem with the mortgage company. Can I talk to you later? Uh- uh, good I think solution. I, I think I'm going to get the foreclosure reversed right now. I don't... Okay. <laughs> this is what it said to do on WikiHow. Yeah, so at, at the, that is a good point, though. Like, I guess what is, like, the the end game here probably isn't a foreclosure reversal. What is the end game? My question. Uh, so, uh, besides warning people ahead, many police just started following in a big pack. <laughs> Walking behind <laughs> Tony and Hall down the street on foot. Some had their guns out. Some didn't. Tony would stop occasionally and jerk Hall around, warning the police. Man, I swear to God, I don't even want to. I'm not doing a bit. When you said jerk, I was like, no way. Are you about to say off? I was no. like, I thought it was just about to take a crazy turn. Oh, if he started jerking him off in the street? Not, no, not not that t- that Tony took jerk off breaks on this little. Oh no, that would be super horrible. No, you just made a very bad dollop. Okay, wait, what? <laughs> the mayor, Bill Hudnut, was sitting in his office when he looked out the window and saw Tony parading Hall down the street with a shotgun strapped to his head. Another normal day. Ah, Indianapolis, I love you. Yeah, the best. Tony slipped on the ice and fell. Oh, shit. What? But Hall fell with him. But still. If Hall had not fallen, the gun would have gone off and killed him instantly. Oh, my God. All the cops quickly whipped out their guns. For a moment, it looked like Tony was pulling a pistol out of his pocket and all hell was going to break loose. But Tony was just rearranging a pistol in his pocket after falling. Thank God. The two men got back up, I assume very carefully. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm going to go I'll, or just three? I'll go first. No. We should go at the same time. One, two, three. On three or? I think on go. One, two, three, go. Wait. No. <laughs> Last words were waiting. No. Wait. Uh, they walked for a bit. Then Tony saw a cop in his police car and told the cop to get out. He climbed in the car with Hall and told Hall to drive the car. Behind them, a car crashed into a telephone pole because the driver was watching the madness. So some guy is driving by. He sees the guy with the shotgun getting into a car. He sees all the cops standing around, and he just drives into a telephone pole. He was an extra. (laughs) That's what he's supposed to do. Uh, Then Tony and Hall sped off with police cars chasing them at 80 miles per hour down Washington Street. This dude made an appointment. Yep. For this. He made an appointment for this. He was like, man, Wednesday 245 is going to get nuts. Shit's going to go off. (laughs) That's what I'm going to attach a tripwire to a man. What are you doing tomorrow, Tony? Big plans! Big fucking plans! I got nothing in the morning, but the afternoon I'm swamped. Holy shit. 
Tony told Hall to drive to his apartment building at Crestwood Village. They got there at 9.35 a.m. This is a nice neighborhood, sir. Yeah, this is good. They got there at 9.35 a.m., and about 75 cops arrived seconds later. Tony and Hall went up to his third floor corner apartment. From the apartment, Tony called the cops and said, quote, I'm ready to die. The dude dude with the gun. Hall's like, hey, man. Uh, Can you... um, Do you want to talk about stuff? The windows of the apartment had uh, wires strung on them. This is apparently to make the cops think there were bombs. Tony said the apartment was wired with dynamite. Oh, wow. But if a dude has this setup, I mean, you're going to be like, he probably does. He probably has dynamite for sure. Everyone then hunkered down. Residents were removed from the apartment building. Uh, Indiana Bell came and set up a bank of telephones for the media in one apartment. (laughs) Since taking hostages wasn't really a big thing yet, the Indianapolis PD did not have any hostage negotiators. That's going to be fun for someone to learn on the fly. (laughs) So, hey, what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? But, like, what? How? Um, how are you? What are your, uh, Hey, what's your favorite color? What, um, mine's red, not red. Mine's not red. What, uh, who? So I'll be, I'll, I'm going to call you right back. Um, oh my God. Ah. I don't think until Tony's like, dude, you got this. You got this. You're okay, man. <laughs> you give me a right. No, no, no. I, I can't. Ask me, I can't. What I, ask me what I want. Ask me what I want. Oh God. I don't I don't even know. Ask me what I want. Oh, oh, just okay. say, just okay, say. Okay, okay, okay. Say. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on, let me get a sip. Hold on, let me get a sip. Go ahead, come on. You'll be all right. Uh, uh, just say what do you want. Okay, yeah, okay. So, um, Tony, uh-huh. what is? what do you want? What do you want? I don't know what I want, motherfucker! Oh, my God! Oh, my no, God! No, you're doing good. You're doing good. Oh, okay, uh, That's just how, how I'm supposed to do my part. Right, 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 right. You have so much... So much to give. Yes, yeah, it's just a tremendous amount to give to people. So don't, don't do it, Tone. Um, Officer Michael Grable had attended a two-day FBI hostage seminar, so he was their expert. Oh, well, he's fine. <laughs> By the way, I missed the first day. I was so drunk. I didn't go to any of that. It wasn't fun. Uh, in 1977, hostage situations were fairly unheard of, so there was no standard procedure for this, no rules to follow. That meant Tony got on the phone and started calling friends and other people. And his friends were also ringing him up to talk because they saw Tony. what was happening on the news. Tony! Hey, Tony, what, I, I heard you walking down the street with a shotgun. Is yeah, that, I uh... set a tripwire on a guy who foreclosed on my house. Get the fuck out of here. I can't. It's been a wild Oh, day. my God. Did you watch the game? I, I can't. I didn't, I didn't get to watch it. I was doing this with this guy. It was a whole day, but uh, I'm hoping to see highlights later. What are you doing later? You want to get together and have a beer? I mean, I don't know. If I get out of this, yeah, if, for sure, yeah. Let, me, right. let, let me do this. Let me see how the day plays yeah. out. Ideally, I'll wrap this up around nine ten, and then let me know. I'll let you know, and we can meet up. All right, so Bobby might want to come, but he's got an old lady who's holding her with an axe. Uh, okay. So we'll that see. That might work out, though. That still might work out. I yeah. think we can still do it. I'd love to All see right. Bobby. I'm just hanging out, having a having a, a schlitz. Okay, well, we'll do most of the talking. Okay. All right, bye. So his friends are calling him up, and then strangers started to call 
to chat because Tony's number was listed in the phone book. Oh, that is, I mean, how could you not? <laughs> how could you not? Is he answering him? Yeah. Hello? Hey, what are you doing? Don't call here. I'm trying to, I'm doing business. Oh, okay. Sorry about that, Hall. <laughs> Hello? Hey! Ha, are you the dude holding that? Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I, I should have gone enlisted. I didn't. Now the cops were getting busy signals when they were trying to call Tony. <laughs> just this phone's it's going just fucking bunch of idiots calling up. <laughs> it's like similar with the OJ thing. It's like they were trying to chase him, but there were too many people in the streets like, yeah. no, Juice, go! Go! People are calling him a Baba Booey. Yeah. Uh, come on. Finally, uh, the cops cut the phone and had a new phone number assigned to Tony's apartment. They're like, all right, we got to be able to talk to this guy. Hey, um, by the way, sir, we changed your number just for the record. <laughs> oh, my God. Graybill quickly learned Tony had no idea what he wanted. He had no plan. Oh, my God. His only plan was to get Hall to his apartment, and that was done. Well. After listening, Graybill thought Tony had a legitimate complaint against the mortgage company. I'm sure he did. Well, think of how like bullshit mortgages are. I mean, yeah. nowadays they're worse, but I mean they're all, they were always yeah. inclined towards BS. Uh, but of course, Tony wasn't handling it properly. I mean, well, is, I, I, I think it's we can slightly agree. extreme. I think we can agree that there's not really a right person in this one, maybe, and the, it's certainly not Tony. The lead prosecutor for Marion County was in California at a law seminar. Good. So the next guy, guys, in, I, I got nine messages. What's up? What are you guys doing out there? My phone is blowing up. So the next guy in charge was the chief deputy prosecutor, David uh, Rimstilt. He was 27 years old. Oh, my God. He was so young that no one realized he was calling the shots at the scene. (laughs) The prosecutor's office. We just assumed you were three kids in a policeman's outfit. (laughs) Joe kept saying, tickle him. Yeah. He kept saying, tickle him and watch them all run out. Yeah. Look, you drop a handful of Tootsie Rolls, you watch. That policeman's uniform evaporates and we got happy kids. <laughs> the prosecutor's office actually brought out an older guy who wasn't in charge to put on TV to give the appearance a mature guy was in charge. Oh, that's good when you're casting people. <laughs> Do you want to play man in charge? Because this adolescent isn't, isn't the good face for the operation. I'm the I'm a the janitor. Okay, here we go. You're a cop. No. Ladies and gentlemen, we're proud to introduce the man who's running the the scene here, and we're very confident in him. Officer Jan. What? Hey. So. What is your plan to stop the hostage situation? Probably just try to clean it up. Uh, there'll be no more questions. Can we talk for a second? Yep. Someone threw up. Will you clean it? <laughs> Um, but the 27-year-old guy is now the guy who's put in charge to talking to Tony. He's talking to Tony. The Uh, 27-year-old guy is the uh, guy. hmm. But it was hard to understand Tony because he was so out of control with anger. Then he started making demands, like he wanted $5 million. Authorities pretended to... he's just kind of Dr. Eviling it. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, Okay. Uh, authorities pretended to negotiate, but were just trying to wait him out. They felt like time was on their side, right? right? So they're like, all right, the guy's in the apartment. What are you going to fucking do? Yeah. How much can he have in there to get by? It's still a very treacherous situation. Oh, it's all fucked up. Yeah. Can they, can they see 
him? They can't see him now. Uh, Tony's brother Jimmy showed up and brought a couple of friends. Hey, we're looking at the party. Hey, Tony, what are you having a fucking... What's Who's going your on here? Who's what? your leash pal? Why do you got any guys out here? You want some beer? Hey, I brought a six-pack, Tone. So I guess with your buddy, now that's just one each, and then two of us get two. Fuck. We all three of us could have had two. Well, anyway, it's good to meet you, Hall. Well, if you shoot that guy, then we each get more. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to... That's a thing. Uh, I don't want to jump No, on I'm that. just saying stuff on the table. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to jump saying. on that bandwagon, but I think you might have a point. He's right. gone. We all get two. So. Yeah, this is about... I mean, mostly, I think this is about beer. I'll get another sixer. Let him live. Really? No, you're right. Kill him. Let's drink these. Uh, so... Jimmy and his friends tried to talk Tony out of uh, what he was doing, but he was too angry. Tony then demanded Meridian Mortgage make a public apology to him and one in writing. The company had to admit they cheated him, that they had conspired to take his land. He also wanted his mortgage debt wiped clean, and he asked for immunity from arrest and, of course, immunity from civil liability for the kidnapping. Well, the guy has a shotgun to his head, and he's learning that if he lives, he can't sue him. Right. So I will say, for on-the-fly thinking, the last two are pretty great demands. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> pretty great demands. Yeah. you Clearly, this guy's run a mobile and home also, park. And also, I can never get in trouble for any of this. This guy's run a mobile home park because he's dealt with a lot of lawsuits. Because I think the number one phrase on a mobile that home park... Be- well, the two, the two top phrases in a mobile home park are... My brother's a lawyer, and I'm going to sue you. He, but also, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, anyway, never mind. Uh, then at some point during the first day, Tony called veteran newsman Fred Heckman in his office and started talking to him. Heckman. Heckman was a well-respected newsman who had been covering Indiana forever. He was the town's I've main. He's the town's main news anchor, so he's like the old, okay. the old yeah, fucking okay. guy that's been around forever right. that everyone in town knows. Right. Grew up with him. Right. People trust him on the news, but then you hear like behind the scenes. Like, oh he's yeah, like, he's jerking off yeah, goats. Yeah, yeah. He showed yeah. an intern his penis or something. Everyone knew Fred. Pretty soon, Tony was saying he would only talk to Fred. I'll only talk to Fred. <laughs> Exactly like that. Now, even though it's a, it was against all his journalistic instincts, Fred was acting as a mediator between the cops and Tony. Uh. The first rule of news is that you report it, you don't become it. But Fred didn't seem to have a choice. A man's life was in the balance, and Tony would only talk to him. Tony now started thinking that he and Fred were pals. Oh, boy. For and, Fred, he's like, um, guys, this is, he's making plans for the weekend. Fuck, Jesus, he just keeps talking. It's just, oh, fuck, man. Nobody knows nobody knows me like you, Fred. I just... We've been through it all, pal. Uh, uh, you're okay. the best. You're my rock. I don't know where I'd be without you, but, man, you're the only one getting me through this, I'll tell you that. What's your last name again? You're just... You're always there. <laughs> uh, so he had watched Fred for all all his life. Every night, oh, you know. Oh my god, it's amazing. He's been watching Fred forever. He knows he he knows, knows Fred. Him. He does. He knows Fred, and, and Fred's Fred- trustworthy. <laughs> Fred's not gonna fuck with anybody. Oh. Fred's not the fucking mortgage company or the cops. Oh. 
Fred's a fucking stand-up guy. It's Fred. Oh, Fred's like, uh, yes. That's right, Tony. We go way back, friend. I don't know what to do. Fred was a major figure in the Indianapolis community, but Fred was then taken off the story by WIBC-TV because he had become part of the story, so he couldn't cover it. Journalism. That's rule one. You can't become part of the story. You can't cover the story you're part of. Yeah, but he's... Okay. Fred was very angry, but he understood. Damn it! People at the station said it was like firing their boss off a story. (laughs) Then day one ended, and night came. That evening, a representative of Meridian Mortgage, Clifford Chapman, read an apology to Tony on local on a local TV news broadcast. And he was watching the game instead. In, in it, the company admitted everything Tony wanted them to admit. After he was done, Chapman was questioned by reporters and he denied the company did anything saying he was just trying to get Hall out alive. Good. Do that now. Say that, that part. Do that perfect now. Don't keep up appearances. Now it's good. For the sake of saving his Immediately life. Immediately say that. All right. And just so to be clear, it's all our fault. Now I'll take questions. Uh, how, how is it your fault? It isn't. All right. Any other questions? Uh, why did you do this he to Tony? We want to make sure he's alive. I'm taking him still. Are we still live? We did nothing. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming out. Meridian Mortgage was a family business. Richard Hall was the son of Meridian's chairman, M.L. Hall. Richard's brother, Jack, also worked there. Uh, M.L. Hall erased Tony's debt. Okay. And told Chapman to say or do whatever was needed to end the hostage situation uh, with Richard alive. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. On the second day, news media came from all over the country. As I said, there weren't a lot of hostage situations, so this is a big deal. Right. right. Uh, the entire city was now watching their TVs and listening to the radio. A behavior modification specialist from the FBI training academy came to help deal with Tony's mm. crazy moods. That big shot landing Fuck in yeah. Indianapolis. Swinging his shit in. I know about moods. What's going on? Um, well, he seems to be in an okay place. Okay, first of all, this guy's mood is that he's a pussy. I'm a pussy. Can I'm we get a, a different pussy. guy? Why is the negotiator crying? I don't know. Okay, my I'm mood is now angry. I'm my afraid. professional opinion is that my mood is now on the edge of hitting something. I'm going to go get some of those hash browns and come back on my And own. the thing I might hit is the pussy. <laughs> it's so great to meet you, man. <laughs> Somehow Tony's uh, new phone number was leaked, and people... <laughs> so what? This is before Twitter. <laughs> people started calling him oh, again. Oh, man. Tony, you back up and run it, pal? <laughs> the cops were forced to cut the line again because they couldn't get through again. Tony, just uh, to let you know, we've changed your number again. Now listen. Tony didn't... Uh, Tony didn't know what his new phone number was, so he couldn't call people and tell them to call him back or give it out. So it had to have been someone probably from the phone company that gave out the phone number. Okay. Right. Or, or a cop on the inside yeah. or the other. But they couldn't stop Tony from calling people, which he continued to do. <laughs> the police started taping Tony's phone calls and listening to him talking to other people to see if he was uh, up or down. Uh, I'm excited. When he was on a high, the cops left him alone. And when he was sad, they tried to talk him into giving up. They started graphing Tony's moods on a board in the command post. If there's any way to get this ring on him, we'll save ourselves a lot of grief. <laughs> I would say lab. 80% of people know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, 
So now maybe maybe, maybe twenty. Yeah, less might know. Less, Le- less than that. Fifty percent of people know what you're talking about. Yeah, who knows? Seventies. Uh, no, I remember them from when I was eighties. Uh yeah, and I think on. I think nineties. A yeah. mood ring was a thing you put on your finger, and it would change colors supposedly based on your mood. And then there was a key where you would go, and you would be like, "Oh, it's green. I am a little pissed off." <laughs> or you'd be like, "It's red. I'm angry." You'd be like, "Purple." Yeah, I am in a good mood. Thanks, Ring, for telling me what I am feeling. Oh, technology was great in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're taping his phone calls when he's in a high. They're doing it all in the low. They're doing it on graphs, which is fucking awesome. Bomb smelling. I'd love to hear his highs. Oh, fuck. What is he, just gabbing? Just amazing. It's been good to catch up, Jordan. We got to do this again. Oh, my man. God. This is so great. And meanwhile, Hall's like, I just want to. Oh, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Oh, you're bumming me out. That that is so messed up that the whole time Hall's just sitting there with a gun to his head, he can't even just have a conversation because Tony's like, sorry to be this guy. I got to do two more, though. Sorry, (laughs) Hall. I hate to be this guy. Oh, fuck. Uh, Bomb-smelling police dogs sniffed Tony's car and army demolition experts told the police that there had been a large amount of explosives in the car recently. Okay. And that triggering devices could be seen on the windows of the apartment. So this was obviously a concern for trying a rescue. Yeah. In the apartment, times were tough for Hall. Tony had a weight in the middle of the apartment, which he would chain Hall to if he didn't want to keep holding the shotgun to the back of Hall's head. So they're obviously having a lot of fun, right? So the weight would just be like if he moved... I think the weight – I don't even know if the gun was on him. The weight was just he would tie him to the weight. I think. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he'd tie the apparatus to the weight so that if he moved, the weight would almost act as a body. I don't think so, but okay. who the fuck knows? Okay. Uh, Tony asked Hall if he wanted any donuts. Hall said no. Uh, no, just the life again. <laughs> a life would be great again. <laughs> Instead of donuts, I get to live? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hall said, no, quote, I don't eat donuts. I have a weight problem, and I don't want to gain any pounds. Oh, my, that honestly breaks my heart. <laughs> that is... Wait, are they Krispy Kreme? That is... Uh, yeah. To be like... In uh, this... I, no, I'm going to diet. <laughs> if like if there's death. any time to have oh a donut... God. It's your cheat day, pal. <laughs> Dude, that is so... Uh, you know what? My wife would kill me because uh, I'm on a total diet. I'm on a. Do you know what the paleo is? Yeah. I'm I, just doing the paleo right now. I actually do. I don't eat during the days right now. I tell you what, though. The thing is, if I have one donut, I can't stop eating donuts. So, I know. I know I'm on my diet right now and everything, but I de- that's just a road I don't want to go down. Does that make sense? Foods. Yeah, I can't. So. I can't. Is that a glaze? What is that? Susten- any other sustenance would be nice. No, the absence of donuts or nothing. I'm going to tie you to this weight again. Oh, fuck. I'm really glad I took your appointment. I feel I feel good about... You know what? I feel good about not having the donut. I feel good about it. They're all gone. Fuck! I should have had a donut! They're really good. Um, Tony... I'm going to call nine people. So here's... This is even better. So after uh, Hall says, you know, I don't want to gain any weight, Tony responds, don't worry about it. We'll just give an e- we'll just get an extra palm bearer. We'll get an extra palm bearer. Oh, I said palm, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's when a tree dies. 
Uh, they, he. Oh, that's correct. That's a terrible. We'll that, just, is a, that is a terrible response. We'll just get an extra Paul Bear. That's a terrible response. That's like, the worst response ever. Uh, um, I'm trying to take care of myself over here. Look, if you really want me to have a donut, I will. My God. Oh, it's awful. In negotiations, they were offering Tony whatever he asked for. They went back and forth over the amount of cash. They figured the more they got him to say yes, the more in control he would think he was. People in the federal government, however, were not happy about the negotiations. And they didn't want the process. They hired improvisers. (laughs) Yes, and what else? Yeah, and keep going. We're the second city negotiators. We're side of negotiations. Uh, so the federal government didn't want the prosecutor's office to negotiate with him at all and certainly not to give him what he wanted. But the guys on the scene disagreed. Marion County prosecutors then offered Tony full immunity from prosecution if he released Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Take what, Take it. The U.S. Attorney General butted in and said, quote, Tell Mr. Karitsis to give up and trust his government. Ugh. All the reporters on scene laughed. Yeah, trust your government. On um, the morning of day three, mm. a shock under your head for th- for two days. Yeah, I did. It, it. It. Yeah, I mean, it just has to be total. Torture. So the morning of day three, the cops and live. I mean, li- the these the Paul Bear answer is all you're thinking about. Yeah, God, that's it. The, the and the fact the that you didn't eat the donut. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fuck! Should have the fucking donut, right? Idiot! God damn it! Uh, So, in the morning of day three, the cops in the apartment across the hall were ordered to fry up some bacon and open the door. And they opened a window. They wanted Tony to think about getting a good meal. I mean, they're they're hitting all cartoon pie windowsill theorem. That's exactly what they did. So once we know that the, the smoke is entering there, we'll see the stink marks. And what will happen is he'll probably float out nose first, enamored with the scent. Yeah, though I am, uh, I am one of, from one of the very first hostage negotiations. Uh, I could tell you some things we did. Uh, we, we made him think he was getting the moon. Uh, we did not rush in. Uh, we, 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 we graphed his moods. And uh, we made some really, really nice bacon. And uh, what we ended up doing was we ended up opening a restaurant next door, and we cooked constantly. So we're making money. We're turning we're turning hostages into cash. Yeah, right. And that's why we're here today. Welcome to Hostages for Cash. I'm Louis Languelli, and I'm going to make you rich. <laughs> what uh, the name again is Louis Languelli? That's right. Good. <laughs> Louis Languelli. Yeah, who else would it be? Could have been Larry. Yeah. Oh, it was Larry. I think it was Louie. Oh, was it Louie? It could have been Larry. It feels like a lifetime. Ah, Jesus. We're okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, so then then they called them up and started talking about a good meal and and talk and they kept talking about him about being outside to get him to they wanted him to start thinking about being outside, so right. they start talking about parks and Sure. Yeah, he's a top uh, it's not working. Oh really shocking. At one point, Tony asked if the five million he was getting could be deducted from his income tax. Uh, what? That's not how. That's not how money works at all. Well, I'm just worried I'm going to get screwed on my taxes. And when under your head at this point, I like you know what? 
I got one problem. I know you say you're going to give me five million, but I got one problem I'm thinking of, and that's like, uh, what about my taxes? Like, how much? Get a little less tension on the rub from the weight. (laughs) How much? But how much? Hey, Hall, are you a tax guy too, or you just a mortgage guy? Do taxes? Yeah. What do you think I can get this? Like, uh, what do you think I'm paying on five million? Five million dollars is a tremendous amount. I just, I just take it. Please take it. What do you think I'm? What do you got to put something aside and like a? I'll be honest. They'll screw you. Damn it. Did you say screw me? They'll screw you in Texas. Damn it. Did you fucking say screw me? Screw you in Texas. On your taxes. I'm going to blow your fucking head off. No, 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 no. Nope. Are they having, are they having fireworks at the Dodger game? Yeah, the, the Doyers won. You can see Jose. Oh, is that what they do when they win? They set up fireworks every night? Yeah. Ugh, what Jose's, a stupid uh, team. Jose's not happy. No, I wouldn't be either if I was a cat. I'm not as a person. Yeah. Uh, so two lawyers showed up to represent Tony. They were told uh, the immunity deal was for real, mm-hmm. as was uh, Tony's brother Jimmy was also told that the immunity deal was for real. Oh, it's for real. No, it's for real. It's real. It's for real immunity. No, we gave him for real immunity. Huge tone shift in your voice. No, we gave him. We gave him. It's real. We gave him the real stuff uh, of immunities. It's the more. It's the realest. Why are your fingers crossed? It's the top. It's the most real. Why are you looking up. It's the most. Why won't you look at us? It's the most real of all immunities. Hold on, this is Tony. I got a good feeling, buddy. <laughs> uh, then finally, on day three, came that word came that Tony was going to hold the press conference, and Tony wanted to be live on television and radio. I think he's. I think he's ready. I think. I think it's. I time. think no one has been more ready. I think it's time. He's been talking he's to Fred all for fucking two days. Yeah. Fred gave him a lot of pointers on how to handle the camera yeah, and how to look yeah. at the camera. His best friend Fred from the news told him what to do. Reporter Skip Hess had an informant in the police department who kept him up on what was going on the whole time. Now, three days in, he said, quote, Skip, we're getting ready to bring, it, bring him out. They're going to shoot the son of a bitch. Tony's going to come across the courtyard, and there's a marksman on top of one of the buildings. And if he gets the chance, he's going to shoot Tony. Skip. Kip asked about the shotgun and the... Is it still... He still has the gun? This whole thing... He's holding a press... The two things he's holding are a press conference and a loaded gun to a man's head. Why do you think this is a dollop? He's got a... Skip asked about the shotgun and the cop replied, We don't know if he still has it attached. Okay. So it's a good plan then. Yeah. He might come out with... Without the so, shotgun. All right, all right. Okay. I won't even ask. Now, the media gathered in the recreation room of the apartment building, as did a bunch of cops. Then Tony led Hall out with the shotgun still pointed at his head. Reporter Tom Cochran, quote, We followed Tony and Hall into the recreation area, and it was this Fellini-esque scene. Here was Tony Karitsis with Hall still wired to the shotgun, the chief of police, and all the reporters clearly in the line of fire. It was completely silent except for Tony and the click of the cameras. The tension was immediately palpable. Hall looked absolutely fatigued. He was probably just looking at the donuts on the table in the back. He's like, fuck, I should have done the donuts. Oh, God, I'm going to regret this. I'm so... You're ever going to cheat on a diet. I might be... 
this might be the biggest donut regret of all time when that guy shoots me. <laughs> Are they allowed to ask Hall questions? That's great. I have to do that right away. Uh, Another reporter said it looked like an organism with twenty or thirty legs moving. Oh my god! Just everyone packed. Yeah, yeah. Fred Heckman was there, uh, and and Tony was not in great shape. He'd been awake the whole time, over sixty hours without sleep. Well, I think that's a given. He looked wild-eyed. Oh yes. Tony ordered the TV media to turn on all their cameras. He had written a statement. That Hall was holding and was supposed to read. So Hall's his podium? Yeah, Hall's going to be the it's spokesman. Like his music spokesman. He's, like, he's his little teleprompter. Okay, to- okay, Hall, go ahead. Next line. Go ahead and read. Next. Lift it higher. I slow that down a little bit. Oh, slow Hall's reading the thing? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, who'd you think I was talking about? I thought Tony was reading it. I no, thought Hall, Hall was holding it up for him to read. Oh, no. He's giving it to Hall to read his statement. This is the logic of someone who's been up for 60 yeah. hours. But Holland now had a two-inch gash in his neck from the wire, so uh, the, it's just been digging away. Uh, he could barely read. Hall was a mess. So Tony snatched the statement from Hall angrily. Stupid idiot. You fucking asshole. What did we talk about? At the time, the People's Choice Awards were being broadcast. John Wayne... Was Tony nominated? <laughs> Best shotgun to the head. Best real-life TV plot. John Wayne had just won an award and was stepping up to the podium to give his speech. Broadcasters in Indiana then cut away to Tony Kiritsis about to give his speech. And then Tony Kiritsis began the most profanity-laced tirade ever seen on television as thousands of Hoosiers watched. (laughs) Turn the goddamn cameras on! I'm going to show you something. February 10th, 1977. I'm the man that was called the kidnapper. I'm a goddamn national hero, and don't you forget it. I've had this gun stuck in this cocksucker's head for three days. They've had one stuck in mine for four and a half years. I hope this gun doesn't go, I hope this gun doesn't go off. I'm having too much fun. Oh, God. Uh... The Halls took a goddamn good shot at ruining a man, a good man's life, and that's me. I happen to be a goddamn pretty nice fella. My friends would say I'm the most stable man that they know. Uh, sir? They would say that! Man who's human centipeded another man? I'm the most stable guy! Okay. Can you imagine what it would take to drive a man like me to do something like this? Ladies and gentlemen, when I picked up this shotgun Tuesday morning... All the hell I've been through seemed like a goddamn picnic. I've never felt such trauma as when I picked this thing up, walked out the door, drove downtown, and these people made me do it. I want everyone that's called me and said they were sympathetic to know that I damn well appreciate it. And all those people who pranked me, not cool. I am not a pizza guy. So that just has to be the weirdest scene Ever. It's um, on. You can we'll, we can watch it after this. Oh my god. Uh and then Tony started to cry. Of course, you got to hit all the emotions. I was in trouble, friends. When you saw one of these goddamn things off and kidnapped somebody, I tell you, it's a narrow one-way road. Oh. There's some kids out there. I'm going to talk to the kids now, okay, you guys. Kids. Don't soften. 
If you got a problem with another guy at school or whatever, you don't like some guy on the team, I'm going to tell you right now, don't solve a shotgun and put this head for three days. Also, a message to the children. Don't sell ice cream. Don't sell ice cream. It's a fucking one-way road. It's just path. It is a one-way road right here. That that makes me, you know, I I'm not I'm like losing touch with the idea that the you know that they that a mortgage this is a mortgage this represents a mortgage company to him. Yeah, this is a this is a mortgage situation. <laughs> Which is crazy, but it's also like it's sad because they like you know they put yeah putting someone in a position like that is just so like I don't know. Well, I couldn't actually find. If they did anything wrong, you know. What do you mean? Oh, if the they, mortgage if they, company. Like I couldn't. But okay, yeah, I, that is true for sure. My gut is to just go against them, but that's probably fair. Okay, so I'm going to show you a picture of the. Um, oh boy! You know I love to see. The there's picture. the press conference. <gasps> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, it's a how? it's a guy holding a shotgun to the back of a guy's head. How? While how? people are all around him. It's the idea that eighty percent of the expressions here are normal. That's the crazy thing when you watch the video. <laughs> Not only are they normal, but there's a guy standing right next to Tony chewing gum. Ah. Uh. No gum. It it's the craziest. He's just, he's just like, we're gonna get through this, right? Hurry up. Uh, the press did not ask any questions. When Tony stopped talking, it was just complete silence. During the speech, Tony took time to praise Police Chief Gallagher, saying, "If it were not for you, I would have blown his brains out." Gallagher's a guy. Gallagher's a damn fine man. This guy over here, this police chief fella, he stopped me from killing this guy. He's great. He's a good one. You guys keep this guy. Trust me. There's something great about the idea that it's about blowing a head off and someone's named Gallagher and they're honest. (laughs) (laughs) Besides, uh, so besides, I wrote here, besides Tony was a cop chewing gum. Hall had his eyes closed, clearly thinking the end of the speech would be followed by his brains being blown out. What Tony could not see was down all the halls to the recreation room were SWAT team members, all armed with an automatic weapon, ready to blow Tony's brains out. The police had consulted with a doctor during the three days to find out the quickest way to drop a man if you shot him in the head. The answer was right under the neck, below the ear, and the man would die instantly. So, the police chief was standing there besides Tony with a gun in one pocket and a handkerchief in the other. His plan was to pull out the handkerchief to signal everyone that he was about to shoot Tony. When the chief whipped out his gun, there was to be another cop whose job would be to push the shotgun toward the ceiling away from Hall's head. Everyone was on edge waiting for that handkerchief to come out. Who knew that? All the cops. But the press was like, weird press. The press had no idea. Oh, my God. Two or three times, Tony got so out of control during his speech that the chief grabbed the handkerchief and was about to pull it out. And then Tony would calm back down. If Tony did not give up the shotgun after he read the speech, the chief was going to shoot him. Tony was not going to be allowed to go back into his apartment. The rant, 
The rant lasted 23 minutes. Oh, God. That is rant level. That is fucking crazy. Probably not a lot of jokes. Oh, no. Tony finally stopped talking. Then the chief turned to all the reporters and said, quote, all you people, get the fuck out of here. Awesome. And the news media scrammed. Oh, yeah. The police led Tony down a hall and into a side room. In the side room, there were a bunch of police. Before all of the hostage stuff started, Tony had overheard a group of men who were staying in an apartment across the hall from him about how messy their place had become. So Tony reached into his wallet with his free hand and took $100 out, a $100 bill, and asked the police to give it to the guys to hire a cleaning service. Oh, my God. What is happening? Well, he's a good guy. That's what's happening. He said he was a good guy. He's a good guy. Hey, look, I'm going out, but it would be great if the guys, you know, the guys across the, across the hall, they're having some problems. They're fighting a little bit over he's, cleaning. And I think it would be great if they got their place cleaned up a little bit. He's a hard guy to – it's hard for me to be – You're like, rooting for him. I'm not – I am – I'm rooting for him. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> I, I'm rooting for him in the sense that I want this to end and I want someone to hug him and be like, you're going to get a nice home. I feel like that will happen. And then Tony unwired the shotgun from Hall's neck, let Hall go, and walked over to a sliding glass door, opened it, said, I've wanted to fire this thing for three days, and blasted the shotgun off outside. And the media was like, he's dead, for sure dead. Right, all the media thought that something... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they were all, yeah. Uh, And he also did this because he wanted the cops to know it was loaded. He laughed and said, by God, I told you. Hall, hall passed out. <laughs> it's what we call a hall pass. <laughs> the cops grabbed Tony and arrested him. He was uh, then. On what grounds? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay. Uh, he was then informed they weren't giving him $5 million and he wasn't getting immunity. Tony said, quote, that's a cheap shot. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, that use of language in this moment is amazing. No, it's That's a cheap amazing. shot? You just had a dude hooked up to a shotgun for three days. It's the best thing ever. When the cops went into Tony's apartment, they did not find any bombs or dynamite, but they did find a lot of gasoline. Skip Hess reporter, quote, I looked in and the whole place had wires hooked to plates with burning candles above cans of gasoline. I couldn't tell you how many there were. Well, there's some level of threat. <laughs> Bring in our candle guy. We don't need the bomb diffuser. Bring in candles. Get your candles up here. All right, hold on. We're going to have to put all these out. Uh, you know what? I'm going to need my blow guy. God damn it. Get the blow guy. <laughs> I need my candlestick maker. My God damn it. I'm going to need to talk to the wax man. Let me call my yarn fella. All right, we need a socks guy up here too. Yeah, hurry! It's getting a little crowded up here too. <laughs> we got too many guys. We got a lot of guys up here. Why is the butcher here? Yeah, if you could just put the pork there that's and the baker. It. Uh, oh, and the candlestick. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is stupid. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> We've been had. All right, so I'm going to say the kitchen with the knife. 
uh, by Mr. Mustard. Guys, for the last time, we are not playing Clue up here. <laughs> oh, well, fuck. Yeah, stop trying to... God damn it. Get A lot of you need to go. Okay, let's go. Let's get out of here. Uh, oddly, a few of the cops that day were sort of on Tony's side, or they felt for him. Al Walker of the Indiana State Police said, quote, I thought that was going to be his grand showing. That he was going to blow... Hall's head off. Yeah. But it didn't happen that way, and I'm glad it didn't. Tony was just a guy who had a bad day. Sure. Well, we've all had those. We've all had these sort of days. Oh, fuck. Was it a Monday? He might have had a case of the Mondays. You know, it started out, I just, uh, I hate a lasagna. And (laughs) I I have a, I've had a (laughs) bad, and I had the Monday blues. (laughs) I think it's Odie. Psychiatrists were asked by reporters to make a diagnosis, but they all refused because uh, he's batshit. Because you can't make a diagnosis of a guy on TV. Yeah, though they did say he should be examined. Oh, cool. Hall came to a press conference later that day. When asked by reporters what he was thinking, Hall said, "Quote: I just figured in my mind that God had a plan for everybody. I didn't quite understand why this was part of His plan." Yeah, kind of a weird kink for God. Apparently, Tony was an atheist and Hall was a deacon, so they spent a lot of the 63 hours discussing the, dis, discussing the existence of God and the power of prayer. I mean, I can only imagine how hard Hall's pushing for that. Uh, all I can think of was put a fucking shotgun on my head yeah, instead of honestly. doing that. Honestly, 63 wait, wait, hours. Tony was doing it to Hall? Hall Tony's an atheist and Hall is a <laughs> deacon. Right, right, okay, right. So seriously, fucking, instead of sitting there listening to that, put a gun on my head. Because I don't want to hear an atheist and a deacon have a talk, ever. Uh, the next day, when, uh, when word got out that Tony was not getting immunity, as promised, some people were not happy, and they let the police know. Police Chief Gallagher said, quote, We're getting many calls today from people who are upset because they feel Tony was lied to. Our position is that it's a matter of which president precedent should be set, that of saving lies or that of never having told a lie. Okay. So either either we were trying to actually keep a guy from being shot, and so we lied to do that. We're sorry about that. I guess we should have let the guy get fucking killed. Yeah, I don't know. Who, well, I mean, yeah. Tony's brother Jimmy said he didn't realize the prosecutor's office was negotiating in bad faith. The mayor agreed with the decision, quote, if I were at the end of that gun, I'd want people negotiating to say whatever they could to talk that man out of shooting my head off. I think fair. A fair point. Fair point. Fair point. Fair point. And the prosecutor's office also said that Tony had broken the immunity agreement terms by not releasing Hall before going downstairs to hold the press conference. Actually, just the press conference itself was enough to break the agreement. The agreement was he'd leave Hall in the apartment or let him go. So he didn't either. Okay. The guys who had the dirty apartment across the hall turned down the $100 to hire a cleaning service. What? Right? Who are these guys? What the... F- why? Take the money. Take the money and fucking clean your place. Yeah, clean it. Maybe they, like, may- maybe they like conflict a little bit too much. They must. They like a dirty place. At Tony's pretrial hearing, things had gone south. Tony was strapped on a gurney, ranting and raving. At one point, he looked over at reporter Skip Hess and said, Skip, you son of a bitch! You never came back and bought that car from me! (laughs) What? Skip, quote, I thought, what the hell is he talking about? 
had suddenly dawned on me 10 years earlier, he worked for a Pontiac dealership. And I was thinking of buying a 1968 Pontiac convertible. And Tony was the salesman. And I told them I would sleep on it. But two days later, I came back and Tony wasn't there. And I bought the car from somebody else. And Tony never forgot it. Man, that guy can hold a grudge. <laughs> That's awesome. Tony's trial was later that year. His lawyers convinced him to pursue a not guilty by reason of insanity defense, even though Tony did not want to. In court, among many belligerent allegations and non sequiturs, Tony accused Hall of having once mocked his sports coat. The court appointed psychiatrist said Tony was in a paranoid, delusional state. Tony took the witness stand, and a paper said his defense attorney, quote, played him like a harp. Tony laughed. And then he cried, and then he was very serious. It just was like up and down all yeah. over the fucking place. Police officers were called to testify, and they largely said the same thing. Tony was a really good guy and believed in following the law, and he couldn't have been in his right mind when he did it. At one point during the trial, everyone was eating lunch. When one of the jurists started choking, another jurist tried to perform the Heimlich maneuver, but he was doing it wrong. And then Tony's brother, Jimmy, ran over and performed it quickly, saving the jurist's life. Wow. You, I mean, boom. That, come on, juror J- number eight. Jimmy would testify in a couple of days later on his brother's behalf. I'm assuming the jurist might have been biased. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Tony won. He was innocent by reason of insanity. All right. It was the first jury verdict of acquittal broadcast live on nationwide television. Somehow Tony had become kind of a folk hero. The little guy fighting the system, fighting the bad bankers. When they announced the verdict in the middle of a Pacers game, the audience cheered wildly. The Pacers crowd? Yeah. Wow. For a guy who held the shotgun to a man's head for 63 hours. But that did not mean Tony was free. Tony was kept in custody for the next decade until doctors believed he would not pose a danger to himself or others if he were free. The whole time, Tony refused to allow a psychiatrist to evaluate him. He could have possibly gotten out in six months if he had, but he wouldn't do it. Wow. He could still buy a gun right now, by the way. Probably. The Tony uh, Kritzis case led to Indiana legislatures amending the law to provide for verdicts of guilty but mentally ill and not responsible by reason of insanity. Things did not go well for Richard Hall after the hostage crisis. He had a nervous breakdown. Three years later, he was divorced. He was the opposite before the incident. He had been fun-loving and a joy to be around, and now he was quiet and depressed. He went back to his job at the mortgage company. A co-worker said he spent 100% of his time staring out the window as though Tony were to come back and get him. He never gave another interview about what happened. Hall eventually lost his business. The situation was a big moment for TV news. It raised questions about responsibility and whether or not they were being used by Tony. Who was in charge? When should they stop? Those portable cameras made the TV reporters vulnerable. They were at the mercy of anyone who chose to create a news story. It became obvious Tony wouldn't have taken Hall hostage if there wasn't going to be media coverage. After looking back on it and reflecting, some said given the chance to do it over again, they would not have stayed live on Tony as he gave his rant. Quote, We were saying, in effect, to the television viewer, this man may blow this man's head into your living room at any moment, and it's going to be dramatic, and it's going to be theatrical, it's going to be great stuff, and we're going to bring it to you. 
We chose to stay live because the story was so overpowering. The story had outrun us. Meridian Mortgage was a family business. Richard Hall was the son of Meridian's chairman, Emma Hall, and his brother Jack also worked there. In fact, Jack, people think, might have been the intended victim. One of Karitz's acquaintances later said Tony had told her about this exact type of kidnapping fantasy, but instead it was Jack Hall in Richard's place. Oh, wow. You guys look a lot alike, huh? On on Did you guys get that a lot? (laughs) Did you guys have, you had similar faces and noses. Like a bro- like the way your brothers like a brother yeah like a brother thing. Where your brother Jack is, you guys look real. I was gonna. I know it's been forty eight hours, but I got I got to tell you something. <laughs> I yeah. This is a laugh. I I I, 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 I came. Could use, I could use a laugh. I came there for your brother. Your brother should be here, not you. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh fuck me. You want a donut? You sure donut? People get us mixed up a lot. Yeah. Oh, you guys look a lot alike. I'm on a diet. We both are. Um. So on uh, on January twenty second, nineteen eighty seven, a Republican member of the Pennsylvania State Senate, Bud Dwyer, held a news conference to discuss his conviction for receiving a bribe. He believed it was a political prosecution, and he was to be sentenced in a couple of days. Mm. The media believed he was going to resign from office. Ugh. This is... After reading a speech, he pulled a three fifty seven Magnum from a manila envelope and put the gun in his mouth. People yelled at him not to do it. He fired the gun. The press conference was not carried live. But the news had recorded the event, one camera even zooming in on his body. Several television stations then broadcast the suicide using the taped footage to their midday audience. Some froze the action before he fired. Some had audio playing over the frozen image. Others aired it unedited, showing Dwyer blowing his brains out. It was a snow day. Many children were home from school due to a snowstorm and saw the suicide. Even though hundreds of viewers complained, some stations continued to show Bud Dwyer killing himself throughout the day. So the media learned a lot from Tony's uh, moment. Well, that song, Hey Man, Nice Shot. Yeah. So it's worth it. Yeah. Tony was released in 1988. He found work as a car salesman. He was now on medication and would occasionally go off Tony? and call the media with Excuse conspiracy me. theories. Me. Excuse me. Tony sold cars again? Yeah, someone gave him a job. <laughs> I mean, everybody knew Tony, you know? He's a good guy. If, but if that many people think he, that he was justified in doing it, that he's going to get a job. Well, look, and I think, well, I mean, obviously, car dealerships, their their commercial bottom is pretty low. So yeah. I'm sure they had him, like, holding a shotgun up against a car and, like, <laughs> like a, holding a shotgun in a close-up, like, I'm going to blow your head off. And then they reveal that he's pointing at a gun and he's like, with our fall prices. That's right. Our fall prices are <laughs> dropping. We're giving away everything. Our APR financing is lower than it's ever been. <sighs> if you don't come down here, I'm going to put wire around your neck and hold you hostage for 68 hours while I threaten to shoot you. See you Wednesday. Come on down. Oh, fuck. Tony once called a congressional aide and told him he'd get the same treatment as Richard Hall. The aide knew Tony's story and told the police. They checked on Tony and found out he was once again off his meds. Oh, boy. Tony died of natural causes in 2005. Richard Hall is retired and living somewhere in Indianapolis. Oh, he's still alive. That's crazy. 
That is so crazy. Isn't that a fucking crazy that's story? Insane. That really, even for this podcast, that's insane. <laughs> that, I just can't even. It's crazy. And and to the point that you're leading towards at the end. I mean, you know, that is part of the thing. I always think it's so funny how like when on a sporting event, if a streaker dashes on the field, they will turn the cameras away from yeah. that. And yet the stuff that they're comfortable with showing or the chances they're willing to take in live media and stuff like that, it's just insane. Yeah, it's completely you know, fucking like it, it, We live in a different culture, obviously, where like we report on ourselves now more than we listen to, you know, we follow what yeah. news organizations show us. But it's still, it's like, it, there is, the, the media is so Im- implicated in all this. Yeah, it's really, it's. It's super implicated in all this. Like they, this is, this seems like a time when they they crossed the line and they they have not gone back. They, when they there was a time when they were the voice of reason. Yeah. What do you got for me? And today? now. You all agree? Yes. Put it on him, pal. We're partners in this. My God, I was right. That is madness. It's just pick. He's just fucking holding that a fucking gun madness. on him, talking. By God, I was, was right. When that was like, when people were around, being like, "Let him finish." Right? Yeah, crazy. That's crazy. And, and the fact that. that they're all so close and right there, and that he's like, "We're partners in this. We're partners in this." Me and this guy. Hall's like, oh, "I didn't sign anything." Yeah, well, I don't think it's like a legally binding co- then we partnership. Be splitting stuff. <laughs> Like the shotgun, for instance. Yeah, like who has the shotgun on the back of their head? All right, well, well we did it. Yeah, we did it. Together, we made it happen. We're, we signed cars! Hello. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.